And welcome back to today's episode of Free Kick Fantasy W Podcast. Uh, I'm Mel and I'm back this week. And to mix it up a little bit, I'm joined by Will and a special guest, Bailey. How's it going, Bailey? Good, thank you. Um, pleasure to be here. It's good to uh, get invited onto a podcast instead of me being the host for a change, which is always nice. So uh, thank you for having me. Be- yes, uh, us too. So unfortunately, Will and... Oh, not Will. Will is here. Unfortunately... <laughs> Jono and Liam are both off sick, so about two hours ago, messaged Bailey being like, hey, you free? Uh, despite... So what time is it over there, Bailey? It's currently 5.43 in the morning over here in uh, Virginia and over in the US while I'm studying. So um, yeah, certainly completely different time zones. Yes. Well, thank you so much for either waking up early or not going to sleep. <laughs> not going not going to sleep will be uh, the option I'll choose there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, why don't you start off? Start us off with uh, how you went this round. Um, yep, so I ended up scoring a 12.30, which I thought was actually slightly under par, but it ended up actually ranking me at um, 350 for the round. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, obviously, a couple of poor performers towards the start of the round, then coming home like a steam train with my captain, which I'm sure that we'll get into when we go through the plus and negative threes uh, later on as well. And but yeah, 12, 12.30, which has put me up to 200 seconds up 10 spots and currently 48 points off of 100 spot, which I really want to get a hat this year. So Only 48. That's so doable. What about you, Will? Also a great week. Yeah, I was very happy because I've passed the 1200 uh, the 1, mark for the first time this year. I got a score of 1,224 which puts me around rank of 395. So again, slowly moving towards that top 100. I'm now in 327th. I'm slowly reining you in, Bailey. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so Jono and I have also ended up about the same as well. So Jono got 1,221. Just pipped him. <laughs> yeah. And after the game score change. <laughs> so bet you were happy about that I one. I thought Jono was going to beat me by one point, but uh, someone lost a tackle which put him from one point ahead to three points behind. So I'm very happy with whoever that was. Yeah, so he's sitting around rank of 400 for an overall rank of about 171. So very close as well. I had a round rank of about 284. So it seems like we're all in that like two to 400s this round. There must have been some absolute superstars given that we've all scored in the 1200s and not done particularly well. But thanks to my round one that's carrying me through, I'm still placed at 31st. So all you have to do is stay there, Mel. All you have to do is stay yeah, there. I know. 40% <laughs> of the way through, just got to hold on. And Liam's had a bit of a shocker this week, unfortunately. Um, score of uh, 1,185, round rank of in the 700s, overall rank in the 500s. But given that he came third last season, I'm hopeful he'll pick it back up. Plenty of time to turn it around. Absolutely. So, plus or minus threes. I think we're all going to have some fairly similar ones here, but Bailey, why don't you kick us off? I think we can pretty much all universally agree that Abby Darrett's probably going to get everybody's plus threes. Well, for people that own her anyway... And uh, anyone that doesn't have her is probably going to have a negative three for either not owning them or not, not owning her or trading her out. So I'll go for someone different. I'm going to give mine to um, Anne Hatchard. So I did say on the Friday Twitter spaces with Jono and Liam that I was going against Liam's advice and keeping on Hatchard because the consistency, I wanted that as my captain. 
not only was she consistent and got a 118, she played 100% game time, which is unheard of for a midfielder to be, to be doing that. So I know she played 50-50 forward, mid, essentially, but... At the end of the day, she was still getting around the ground, taking those marks, getting those plus sixes. And just, I remember there was one point where she took two marks in the back 50, and then she nearly took another mark inside forward 50 about 30 seconds later. So her work rate's incredible and incredibly happy with uh, her performance this round. Watching that game live, her ability to take marks even in wet conditions was just incredible. And I was kind of with you on the, the hatch art over Marinoff call mostly because Marinoff had never scored 100 against Collingwood, and that trend continued. But Hatchard's consistency is just incredible this year. No no one's really close at the moment, so I think just her consistency. I think that's why Jono had her at number one uh, last week with the midfielders in his Sweet 16. So, And then my negative three is going to go, unfortunately, to uh, the captain of the Crows, my team, Chelsea Randall. So... 37. Uh, unfortunately, not a great score. Four free kicks against. I know three of them were tackles, so you turn that around, that's pr- over 20 points. You would have got close to a 60, if not above a 60. So I'm not I'm not really worried too much. I think she'll still be a top five defender. So Yeah, I think many people are going to be in that boat as well. She was the third most traded in player this week. So there's a lot of people that are looking for her as that slightly underpriced primo defender option and then just absolutely spewing the 37 but i agree she'll she'll pick it up back next week so what about you will yes similar sort of vibes for me i uh once again loved uh, abby darrick's game incredible for for those playing at home that was 130 in her fourth game of aflw which makes her the fastest player to do it ahead of kiara bowers who just quietly scored a career high 157 in her fifth game so that's pretty wild. My plus and minuses this week are very Port Adelaide relevant. So my plus three goes to someone I've had a very love-hate relationship with, which is Jackie Yorston. Had a couple of poor weeks since I got her in, but came back with a vengeance against Sydney to score a 99. Uh, she isn't that highly owned, so I was very happy with that. And because Randall's already been said, I hate doing this to a rookie, but the reason I'm doing it, and Bailey, you can relate to this because you did a very similar trade, giving my minus three to Yasmin Dersma. Now, a 34 from a rookie, not bad at all, but the fact that I traded out Meg McDonald, who wasn't in great form, who then went on to be the highest scoring defender of the round, gives her the minus three just by association. Sounds like the minus three is on you, Will. It is entirely on me, but it's a player-based thing, so sorry, Yasmin, you're copying the (laughs) minus three this week. Who who would have thought that Meg McDonald would have gone from being a player that has scored back-to-back 32s? And I understand low-scoring games, Collingwood, conditions and stuff like that related to bad scores and maybe easier opposition. But to get an 87, especially when you upgrade, when I got, I got Katie Lynch and when I saw the conditions pre-game and then it came down, I'm like, yep, yeah, she's not going to get to 50. And she got 50, so I sort of was okay in the end. But yeah, 37 points isn't good when you're, when you're upgrading from Megan McDonald, that's for sure. The one good thing, though, Will, is that I'm pretty sure it was Meg McDonald that went down from a 91 to an 87 that caused John Otis fall slightly below your score this week. So at least you have that. If that's the case, thank you very much, Meg McDonald. I love your work. (laughs) It goes to show that the defenders this year have been really hard to pick because we saw Randall, who most people brought in this week, scored a 37. Slash has been easily the most consistent of the high defenders, but she's still only averaging high 70s. It's it's been quite tough in that back line this season. 
even Molly Eastman was a 41. So I know she's a rookie, but she was scoring really well. And then she had a down week this week. So Yeah, absolutely. So Liam couldn't be here because he's ill, but he's got a similar situation with the negative three. So he's given the plus three to Hatchard as his captain. Great call. But negative three to himself for trading out Dowrick. I believe his rationale was that he thinks she's topped out, but then he was kind of spewing. Then she didn't top out. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) In fact, she absolutely smashed it. So, poor thing. Uh, Jono is even too sick to give us his plus and minus three, so we'll just have to wait and see there. But I've gone plus three for Derek, obviously. Also, Butler. Um, I brought her in as my utility. And, yes, I could have gotten someone probably equally as high scoring for a much lower price. But it was a kind of a risk for me because I was tossing it between Butler and Lynch, and I only decided to not get Lynch because they were playing Hawthorne. And I was like, you're not going <laughs> to need her. So, glad... I made that decision. And con- and considering that Butler as well copped a really, really heavy hit, I can't remember who it was, but she got cracked right in sternum. And I thought that maybe she was going to be off the rest yeah. of the game. She came back on, which was obviously very helpful for yeah. you, Mel. It looked like a concussion when she was coming off. She was very groggy. So to, to get back on the field was a pretty incredible effort. Not quite as good as Lou Stevenson, though, when fracturing her ankle and then she comes back on for, for a little bit. So that was incredible. But. True. But unfortunately, she's now out of action. So Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've just given my negative three, both to Randall that we've already discussed, but also to my uniques. I was really hoping my very lowly owned unique players in McCarthy and White would have absolutely killer weeks, given that we were watching so many of these players have phenomenal scores that we might not have been able to predict. And I was like, come on, girls, let it be you. Uh, and no, they both gave me 55, which for their price, not great. But overall, I stand by them. So the top score this week went to Jew team on a seriously impressive 1,385. Insane. Um, we'll have to reach out to Jaden on Twitter and see what the highest potential score you could have got with your money is. But I reckon that's very close to it. The first overall, we've got Timmy Tarantula with a... Very big score of 4,745, which gives everyone hope because the 100th score is only 203 points below that. So, I mean, that's a good captain and a couple of superstars that other people don't have. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) We'll see. I do feel like that gap keeps widening, though, and we're only 40% through. So we might move on to some of the key questions we've got for each of our lines. And Jono would normally host this part, but in Jono's absence, I'll give it a crack. So with the defenders, two really big questions here that I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on. Upgrade options. If you can't afford Schleicher, what are you going to do? Do you go Randall now that she's a little bit lower priced? Do you go someone like Carney who's evened out? Yeah, this is a really tough one because this is a question that I'm actually trying to answer this week. And there's quite a few defenders in that mid to low 60 averaging range that will all be serviceable, but it's just picking which one of them might be the best option is quite difficult. I think if you can get up to Carney, that's probably clearly the best option. But there's quite a few defenders, even all the way down to around about the 80k mark, that still are well within the very viable trade options. Uh, players such as Eileen Gilroy, who's had a good couple of weeks. Uh, Isabel Pritchard still only is still under 85,000. One that we talked a lot about preseason, who had a very good game and has uh, crept into my radar, is Hannah Priest 
who may have bottomed out as well. So there's options there. Choosing the right one is going to be really difficult. Yep, and I had that issue last week. So yeah, I already had Carney and Randall and I couldn't get Slicer. So that's when I settled on Lynch. But there's a lot of options because I think the top three of the top three, I think Randall, Slicer and Carney in no particular order. I think besides those three, the other two positions in the top five are sort of up for grabs. So it is quite hard. Obviously, um, Nat Grider was one that, was spoken about and she had a bit of a stinker on the weekend with only 25 points so I'm sort of glad I didn't quite go down that path <laughs> but, but I do still think if you can get to Slicer that's the that, that's where you go and if not you probably go Emma Carney because she's got the Bulldogs and Sydney in the next two and that Sydney game she could put up a ton so yeah she's been in my team the whole time and she's been quite frustrating to watch because she's very expensive and I keep wanting to, her to get an amazing score and luckily she did come through last round but on your points, Will, you mentioned Gilroy and Priest. I find the toss-up between which one of these two you might pick really dependent on, I guess, the rest of your strategy. So you've got someone like Gilroy who's made 10 grand already this season, potentially like not going to have a lot more upside. But as a result of that, very low break even, mm. like going to be a cash gen and probably a more of a consistent scorer versus someone like a priest who, thanks to a couple of shockers, has lost 20 grand worth of value. So is one of those semi-elites that's moved down a bracket. But you'd want to be picking her up, hoping that she can make that back, I imagine, rather than someone that's going to be a bit more consistent. At this stage, she's only priced at four grand less than Gilroy. So if you think Gilroy is a safer pick, go the safer pick. But I think the thing about Priest is we know that she can be a very high and consistent scorer. So if you think that maybe the first couple of rounds were just a bit of a blip and she's able to go back to her scoring of last season, because one of the things that was really impressive about her last season is she only had two games less than 50 and was one of the most consistent players at scoring around that 60-70 mark. So if you think that this 86 against the Gold Coast is a sign that she's going to come back to that sort of scoring, I think that she's a not a bad option just to jump on a player who could possibly push up a little bit higher than some of these other players. But again, it, it is a bit of a crapshoot. If you're looking for an option under 90k, I do think that Priest is that option because with Gilroy, as Will was saying, is she going to be a top five or is she one that's going to make you trying to make money to get up to 90 plus K and then move on, which she's already mid 80s anyway. So I think Hannah Priest is that typical when you're upgrading, you don't want to get up to these big, big premiums because you want to save money to be able to upgrade the rest of your team. So I think Priest is the perfect one in defence that I think you're saving 30-something K on Slicer, even though I would pick Slicer anyway, but you're still saving a lot <laughs> to get a player that you think's probably going to average 70 from yeah. here or 65 maybe from here. So I think she's a good pick. And I agree. I think that's the thing because Slicer's 35 grand more expensive, so it's a big jump up to Slicer. But if she can just push above some of these other players priced around that, 60 mark that 10 grand becomes a fantastic asset for you because we've got players like gab pound who's had a couple of shockers your girl lauren butler who is at the moment one of the highest averaging defenders already above ninety thousand. the options are really thin and unless you're willing to pay up for a carney or even a, a b jacobson who both average over 65 two of the only um defenders to do so you're paying 100 grand that's 20 grand that you're missing out on if you decide to not go for Priest. It's definitely a risk. We know that Priest has had a few shockers, but if she does go back to her consistent scoring and can average 65-70, I think the value's there. Yeah, nice. Let the record show, though, if you can afford Schleicher. <laughs> <Get> Schleicher. <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. Slicer has been very convincingly the most consistent defender in that backline this year, as we kind of expected preseason anyway. And that kind of turns us nicely into the second point on the defenders here, which is, are we running out of good rookie-priced downgrade options? Uh, I wasn't on the pod last week, but I listened to as a viewer, and hearing guys chat about Dersma and Kemp was exciting because they're coming in there like quite lowly priced. Now they're both priced at about 37. They both put up decent scores. But as we move into going like round five and beyond, are those two of the last good downgrade options that you know are still going to increase in price? And if so, do you get on them now? There's been quite a few players that have just averaged between that 10 to 30 mark, which means that if they're making any money at all, they're going up maybe a grand a week, which just, it's almost not worth it. You're almost worth trading out someone else elsewhere to try and make money. I think if you can still get a Dersma or a Kemp, they're still under 40k. If you've got someone like a, a Taylor Gatt or an Erica O'Shea who is around the same price, I think they'll probably go up quicker than those sorts of players, but it is pretty skin. Like an Amber Clark was an option last week at uh, around that 50k mark. Even she put out a 25, so it is showing that we don't have many of those options. I was hoping maybe actually a Brazil was going to score well, but playing that sort of forward, deep forward role, only 35, obviously conditions weren't great. Yeah, I think that Kemp and Dersma Probably the last two, unless we see someone debut that I can't think of that has got a good scoring pedigree or is, or is capable of putting up a decent score. So I think Dersma and, and, and Kemp are probably the last two, to be honest. Well, I actually do want to talk about Ash Brazel coming back because it is important to note that this is her first game of football in a while, two yeah. years or something like that. She was always going to be a bit rusty, but she kicked four goals in the practice match. She clearly can play as a forward. She's a very talented player. So I think she's a player that if you're looking for a more expensive downgrade that could slot in as yet D5 long-term, she's not a bad option. But again, at 57k, you, it, it's a really awkward price point, I guess. So You're going to want to see these scores over 60. Absolutely. Yeah. And for just a couple grand more, yeah. you've got Isla Sheeran, who probably has gone up as high as she's going to go, given that she's made like 31 grand. But if you're looking for someone around that price range, she's probably a bit more of a safer bet. Tell she didn't get picked up in a draft before now. Like she's 29 now, and she's she's probably one of the best intercept... Well, she's the best intercept player this season. She's got the most intercept possessions, but she looks fantastic back there. I can't believe she didn't get picked up before this year. Her ability to just, not just intercept, but then go, all right, I'm going forward. I'm going to dodge a tackle or two, and then push the ball up another 50 metres. It's priceless stuff. It's very few defenders in the competition can do that. It's basically the reason that Ruby Slash has become a two-time All-Australian. And you've got a player who's just been sitting there ignored for however long. It's it's quite surprising, really, as you say, Bailey. Yeah, I just love the way she grabs the ball and just looks at players around again to tackle. And she's like, I'm just going to try and sprint past you. If you can tackle me, then that's fine. But I'm going to get round you and, and just bomb it forward, which is, oh, you love watching. You love to see it. And she's good at getting the hands free too. So even if she does get tackled, she still gets the handball away. Yeah. Very impressive. And someone else that Jono was very excited about coming into this week. Correct me if I'm wrong, Will, because I might have missed some of the hype. But I think he was very excited about Gabriel Biden-Wegg-Webster. I think Jono was just super excited because we, we talked a bit about her in the preseason with Tara mm. Bohanna. I think he was just excited because he loved her name. <laughs> he was practicing it. The strange thing about it is she scored a 25 this week, so nothing spectacular. But if you are looking at defensive rookies, that's actually the best you've got. It's probably not the worst option, and the ball's probably going to spend a bit of time in the Gold Coast backline. So mm. I guess that's probably your best you know, place to go for, for a defensive rookie if, if you are looking for a bottom price player. 
Otherwise, you're probably going to probably going to be waiting for a debutant. We talked a bit about Jess Waterhouse, who we thought might have come in this week for Ponta, but didn't didn't get a game. There's a few others from the expansion clubs like uh, Emily Everest and Jenna Richardson, who, who through injury and, and otherwise haven't been able to play. But yeah, I think we're going to be waiting a, a bit. If you've got the trade to pick up a Dersma or someone like that, I think it's not the worst idea. I've got to say, though, it is disappointing that they've put a bottom cap or sorry a ceiling uh on the no a floor they've put a a bottom (laughs) ceiling they've put a floor on the prices because last season we could get away with seeing some of these uh midfielders or rucks go well into the lower prices and pick them up for cheap but even someone like an Ola Lally who's been playing every game not doing particularly well priced at 20 break even at 30 has gone negative so to to have a player that's actually scoring decently and is only 800 bucks more expensive than the absolute floor could be a good option for people if they really need something I think she's a good watch this week I think if she puts up a uh, around a 50 or more I think she'd be a pretty good target I think a high 30 Yeah, forty plus. Yeah, maybe I've maybe I've overestimated the defenders. I think a bit, but yeah, over forty, then you can. Look. If she puts up a fifty, I'll go so far as to say she she is, she is a must-have next week, <laughs> <laughs> just because the break-even will drop even further. Oh, that's great. Oh, okay. Well, might move on to the midfielders. Some of our elites have lost a lot of money, and is now the time. It's you know, uh, trade-up season. Is now the time to be grabbing some of them while they're so cheap? For example, you've got Bowers that's lost 39 grand. Now, like, pretty evenly priced compared to some of the other elites. You've got Lambert that's lost 37 and a half grand. You've got Mithin as well. Are we considering moving up to some of these elites that have lost a lot of money? And if so, which ones? Just quietly, the Mithin uh, one was, was my uh, little pick up there. So, um... yes, why don't you talk to us about Mithin? I don't know. I just she was been a premium last year. I think I don't know what she averaged last year exactly, but I know she's been a premium in the past, and she's down nearly twenty seven grand for the year. I just think she's potentially a good pick, and I know Mel, you've written here that uh, like she's the only one of these options that's actually has a break even that's under what she's priced at. So that could be obviously a good pick up there, and she's the cheapest one. But if you've got mm. the money to afford any of these players then great but someone like me for example I don't have the money to get up to any of the, any of these players I'm pretty strapped for cash this week but I know some people bank cash last week so if you can get up to one of these I think these are the ones you got to Lambert I'm not sure I'd be picking up though because she's been injured every week she's been on one leg and Bowers and Mithin are probably the two ones I'd look at but yeah um, another one's probably Ellie Blackburn is, is a little bit more expensive she hasn't gone down in price too much but she's sort of just she looks very explosive this year and she's another one that I've been very impressed with so I'd... yeah just to, to Jamie Lambert she played almost the entire Adelaide game across half forward she's as you say Bailey very clearly playing on one leg. I think she's the sort of player that if she gets a rest sometime in the next couple of weeks and can come back in a bit of shape, she could be someone that could be a really cheeky option for a late season premium. Because uh, we know she can go massive, she can score 120. So one to keep an eye on because she's going to keep losing money. Speaking of scoring 120, Will, you'd want her to score 120 given her break evens 119 and she's going to be losing money for you every week unless you get, unless she does, so... And this this whole break-even thing is part of the reason why I think if you can move up to some of these premiums, like if your back line, your forward line is pretty sorted, absolutely. But I'm personally thinking holding off just one more week because even players like your Hatchards and your Marinoffs are still losing money despite pumping out really good scores. I think Hatchard, despite scoring 118 this week, had a break-even of 126. So he's still going to lose money despite scoring such a high score. Obviously, we just talked about like these options here, but is 
Is Elise Parker still the pick around this price? I think she's about 144 grand, and she's still averaging 101. She's been fantastic, and I know she got 95, which still very good. People are sort of saying you know, it's a bit average, but still very good. She was still just outside the top 10. But would you be picking her over Bowers, or do we think that Bowers being cheap would we go with that direction? I'd actually Ooh. say if you have that money, about 140 grand ish. And you're you don't already have Parker, so you're looking for someone else to pick. I take Swanson. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Mm. Jay's design just quietly will be very happy with with Emma Swanson <laughs> being talked up. I think in one way, but then the other it might be as unique. I guess. <laughs> yes, very true. I completely agree with you there, Mel. And I am quite literally working towards an Emma Swanson trade next week. I think that she will be just that little bit cheaper than a Marinoff and a Hatchard, while still averaging close enough she's the one that's absolutely on my radar for next week if if i play my cards right i think i can get a yorson or possibly even a, a tam smith up to it if you haven't jumped on elise parker already i think you've probably missed the boat because she's made her money she's still scoring fantastically don't get me wrong i think that you probably want to go someone a bit more unique and that's where yeah. swanson's probably a, a good pick she's only two percent owned very consistent scoring thing I like about her is that she's one of these players that actually has a break even lower than their price tag, much like Mithin, but almost like a, a tier above here. A huge score last week, so showing she's still got that massive ceiling. I mean, I'd actually just like to point out that Bowers has lost so much money. She's now cheaper than Hatchard and Marinoff. And she's still got a break even of 129, which, while Bowers can obviously do that, we know that. To make money, she's going to have to pump out a very, very high score. So I think she's going to be absolutely yeah. right for the picking next week because she's lost. She scored a ninety-four this week and still lost nearly seven grand. So if she she could she could be below one hundred and fifty yeah. grand next week. She could be in my wheelhouse because if Swanson scores big again, Swanson could be above her next week. She's got West Coast this week, which is a worry for me because I think she'll score really highly. I need her to score poorly this week and then go back to really good when I can get her next week. Because <laughs> if I can get Bowers as my M3, I'd be stoked with that. Oh, my God. Bowers as M3. Exactly. How is that even? <laughs> oh, my God. One thing about her, though, is we've been chatting about this for a while, Will, but, like, have the days of her getting consistently 10-plus points more than everyone else, are they behind her? And I think this week has really just cemented that, yes, they are. 17 tackles on the weekend and only got a score of 92 where last time she got 17 tackles she's up there almost 130 points because she's missing those disposals i think it just shows how freo are struggling this year because she's not getting as many of those kicks she's not getting as many marks and things like that in in this game in particular against carlton she was basically second to the ball every time got the tackle for sure but just isn't quite hitting those disposal numbers that we're used to for for turbo if she can start getting a bit more of it she started to get a few more in the in the last couple of weeks but if she can start pumping out those sort of 20 plus disposals along with those high tackle games that's when you you're gonna get an absolute bargain for bowers i guess the next question then is if you're gonna get the money to get up to these premium players who are the rookies that you're gonna trade out because the midfield rookies are the ones we're getting a lot of a lot of your value out of one we thought about last week and my condolences to Liam because he yep, sorry, Liam. he took this option and missed out on the second highest score of the year from Abby Darrick. So Darrick posted a 58 last week and we were thinking, oh, maybe she's she's hit her straps and we're probably going to lose out a bit. But most of us held on to her because we're like, Sydney, pretty easy matchup. Liam thought, no, I'm going to I'm going to cash out here, use it to trade up elsewhere. To be fair, worked well for his defense, but 
yeah, it hurts to miss out on a score like. So she's made almost fifty grand in four rounds. Do we think it's time to trade her out because she's not going to make any more money and use that potentially fifty grand on top of someone else, or would we be spewing like Liam if we did that this week? I think you'd be spewing her. Break even's minus eleven. I don't see any reason f- to trade her out after that score. If you've still got her. I think you hold her for another couple of weeks. Port Adelaide have a reasonably soft draw for the next little bit. They've got Gold Coast who give up points and then GWS. The week to trade out your Port players is round six against Adelaide. Mm. That's when they're going to struggle. So if you can hold on to the likes of uh, a Maloney, a Dowrick, these sorts of players until then, you're probably going to get them at their absolute value before they do hit that real trough. Even a Yorston. Well, I'm, I'm definitely considering holding on to Yorston. I'm thinking that if I can moving up Smith, but if if it gets me Bowers next week, I'm sorry, Jackie, mm. but you're, you're out. Have to go. <laughs> Another one that some people are suggesting trade, like you, um, others not so sure, is Smith. She's made, or Tamara Smith, she's made 37 grand. Although, I think one of the questions we saw come through Twitter was that she's only had three disposals last week, so is that a concern? But she did have 13 tackles. Um, and... For the Hawks, that's probably the best you can hope because they're probably not going to have the ball that much, so I wouldn't expect her to have that high disposals. What do you guys reckon? Smith's obviously not quite as much of a certainty as Dowrick, but still only a break-even of 26. I think she's going to be the first to go. I think she's the one that will probably be using either as an upgrade or a downgrade in the next couple of weeks just because if you've got Dowrick, and the one we're probably going to talk about next is Keely Skepper, if you've got these sorts of players who are not only pushing out these consistent scores, but they're doing it through getting the ball, not just the tackles, I think they're probably more pressing to keep. I think the only reason you'd probably do it this week is just to get someone unique in. She's owned by 24% of the competition, and almost 24% of the competition will have her on field. Mm. If you're looking at that sort of player, trying to push your way ahead by going a different route to other people, maybe. But there's not many money-making options that we have. And with players like Derek and Smith, who will keep making money for at least another couple of weeks, I don't see them as priority trade-outs, especially when they're still scoring pretty well. What about Skepper? Do either of you guys have her? I've got Skepper. No, I don't. I should have gone Barber up to Skepper on my bench instead of going McDonald up to Lynch, but... Oh, you've still got Barber. On my bench, yes. I actually sent John a message, a DM, and I said, hello, Alana Barber, um, with the 50 on the weekend. I was very, uh, very happy. I was about to say, you, you take that 50. Should have known that she was going to score well this week because I traded her out for Skepper, <laughs> so you're welcome. But yeah, I, I think that if you don't have Skepper, she's probably out of reach now, gone up another... 11k this week already at 60 i mean you could theoretically go smith sideways to skepper to make six grand i don't see a whole lot of point in that but but you could but there is one player that is on next on our list that we need to talk about that i potentially would be sideways Mm. and that name is montana ham i'm really considering going maloney to montana ham just for that little cash grab because that was her first game back and her second game of AFL Dubby and she looked a step above everyone on the field, except maybe Abby Dowrick and Hannah Ewing. She just Yeah. She's so tall from midfield. She's like the Crips or the Bont in the AFL W and she just I remember there was at the start of the second quarter, for half the quarter she didn't touch it. And then all of a sudden she got twenty points in the blink of an eye and she was on essentially nearly or above forty points. So what do you guys think of like a so I've put it um, here, is a move like a Maloney or a Tamara Smith to a Montana Ham who we know is going to make money and going to put up these scores, is that a viable play? Obviously, Skepper's the same price, but obviously we probably pick Ham 
What are our thoughts on that? I think Maloney is the best option. Still going to make money, Maloney, and as we said, the Port players do have a pretty decent draw, but she is a freak of an athlete, Montana Ham. She's going to be the best player in the competition so quickly, just the way she plays. She's got a break-even of three, so on the fantasy side of things, can't really go wrong there. I think with a player like a Maloney, or in my case, I would say a Yorston, I think you could make an easy 20 grand there for a player who you know is going to probably keep up an average of 70 pretty easily. I think it's not the worst option. I think getting Montana Ham in, I know a lot of people are thinking about Montana Ham as a utility as well, so playing them for the Rucks. Charlie on Twitter did send us through saying, is it too early to consider Montana Ham for your Ruck utility? I don't think so. It just depends on how the rest of your team's going, because Montana Ham at that 60-65k mark kind of like Skepper. It's an awkward play to bring in, but I think for Montana Ham, it's worth it. Skepper, I'm not sure, but Ham, I think it is. Who knows? She got an 81. That 67 she scored in her first game could have been over an 8. It was going to be probably over an 80 as well. She was injured pretty early in the in the last quarter. Yeah. What's to say she can't average 80 and average 10 points off of these sort of top 7 to 8 mids? And She's definitely that sort of player that if you had her as your M5 or in Charlie's case as your ruck utility, you'd probably be pretty happy with that. You'd say, well, if I have to have Montana Ham as my M5, in like round all 10. right, that's that's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. If you're still feeling a Smith, a Skepper, even probably a Dowrick, we know she's got the ceiling, but she's also dropped a few lower scores in there as well. I think you'd probably have missed a trick with your trades. Whereas in Ham, I can see as being a, a keeper yeah. player. If you want to get in Montana Ham, this is the week to do it. And we were kind of stuffed around a bit by the late team announcement because a lot of people were thinking about bringing her in this week, but we didn't know she was playing until the Saturday. If I knew that she was going to play, I was actually going to go Barber up to Ham and he, and I was probably going to leave her on my bench for the week, but there was also a chance I would have benched Dowrick um, for her, mm. which I'm glad I didn't. But, uh, but that was something I was <laughs> looking at. But I just thought, I want to see her first and play and, and she ticked every box. I wouldn't be surprised if she's the most traded-in player. I've been like scraping the uh, ownership stats each week and up until last week, so the last couple of weeks, she's been 23% owned and a lot of those will be like dead accounts that have kind of somewhat given up. Thank you for uh, Mini Monk for pushing me to go double check that. Uh, but now she's already up to almost 27%. So 4% of people just took the gamble last week, not knowing whether she's going to be named or not and would be pretty stoked with that decision. But I reckon come come next week, that's going to be a huge number again. I've got 15 grand left in the bank. Chuck that on top of paid Shepherd and then somehow find some more money because <laughs> damn ham's expensive to, to bring her in as either my utility or my M5. So... I'm very excited for Hamza. So over to the Rucks. Uh, you've kind of alluded to this a little bit already with the question that we got from Charlie. Yeah, no, Ruck loophole. Are we doing it already? Are we stopping and getting up to a premium? Or if you've got one non-playing Ruck, you kind of, kind of make that decision. Are you going to go for a premium or are you going to go loophole? I'm very pro loophole, but what about you guys? I tried to force Bailey into the loophole this week as well, and he didn't do and it. I would have gained. I think I would have gained like sixty points. I think I worked out. I would have had Meg McDonald over Lynch, and I would have had uh, Goldsworthy as my ruck. This is the week I think that the utility loophole is perfect because if you can go and get Montana Ham on your bench, if you've already got like your two primo mids, like a Maloney or a Yorston or a mid pricer, Derek and Tamara Smith, that's your five mids already um, used up. And if you don't want to get rid of Tamara Smith now, getting Montana Ham on your bench or utility and having her as your ruck. McCormick is going to score your 40s around the 40 mark. She might get a 50 every now and again, but those 40s, and even Levicki got a 44 on the weekend. So 
And Montana Ham's going to get you 70. So you're already gaining at least 20 points based on that. Obviously, the risk is you got a less player, two less players, sorry, making money. And then if it's a late out for you, Telly, then maybe you're a little bit screwed with that. I completely agree with what you just said. I like my two premiums. White's a bit of a mid, mid-pricer. mid And then I like my Dowrick and Smith on field for another week. But I want Ham. So where do I... Do I bench her? Do I bench Smith? No, I'll just get her, chuck her in the utility, shuffle everything around. Great play. Everything's timed out so well. So many rucks that are injured. Like, sorry, rucks that you've been injured. That's devastating. So great for us on the fantasy side. Yeah, I think this is the week you've got to do it. Pity Liam's not here because he's not a fan of yeah. this. So. I think for mine, the amount of injuries to the rookie rucks we've seen has made this viable as early as it is. Normally, this is something we wouldn't be considering till well past round probably seven or eight but some of these rucks that we're, we're looking at players like mccormick you can make a bit of money off them by dropping them straight down to a borg or a davies that'll get you 20k i don't mind it as an option because i was one of the people that went for a mid-priced ruck so i've got olivia fuller who's scored me pretty pretty well the loophole isn't really an option for me at this stage i could trade out fuller but that's kind of a waste of a trade so I think for, for me, I'm probably not going to get Montana Ham this week simply because I don't think it works with my trade structures. But if you are looking to do that Ruck loophole, McCormick or whoever you've got as your rookie playing Ruck, one of the Whale sisters, for example, down to a Davies or a Borg and then Montana Ham in off the utility, I think that's going to be a very popular move this week. Just two parting Ruck comments. Brianne Moody, we spoke a lot in the preseason about looking for players that can add 10 points to their average from last season as ones that would be worth getting. Her average is, or her price tag at least, both of them, I take it back. Her average is currently 10 points higher than what it was last season. So she's pretty much done that. She's shown that not only was she elite and consistent last season, but this season she had more to give. Just just a note of admiration there. <laughs> she did what we thought Celine would do. Instead, <laughs> Celine's gone and sat in oh. the forward line, and Alice Edmonds has been the one to really jump up. So, Yeah, rats. I'm telling you, Celine Moody, if she asks for a trade and goes elsewhere next season, easiest ruck pick you'll have next season. Yep, absolutely. As I know Jono said it last week, that if we know more about this Poppy Kelly injury situation, like, because it was sort of just not indefinite or TBC, like, if she's out for the rest of the season, I'd pick Gabby Seymour just for that upside because she is like another midfielder. She gets. I know she only got a 50-odd, but that was a low-scoring game and the conditions obviously weren't great. And Brown Moody has had a couple of easier opponents. I think Brown Moody's still mm. the number one, but I think that I would pick Seymour just for that upside. I, I agree with that. And she's 13K cheaper. She's also got the uniqueness, only 1.4%. I think she can push up towards an, an average of 80, which is more than enough to justify not going all the way up to Brown Moody. I did just want to say one. I feel like we spent a lot of time on the rocks, but I did just want to say one thing because I wasn't on the pod last week. I didn't get to throw this random idea out. For my utility loophole, which I had last week, I didn't go a high-scoring midfielder. Instead, I went a high-scoring defender. Very strange. Very strange. <laughs> I know. And that's why I was like, I didn't bounce this off anyone. I just did it. And now I'm like, oh, crap. I, I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. So my logic with this was get in a high-scoring defender shuffle them onto my field eventually, and then replace my utility with a high-scoring mid. I have no idea if that's going to work out or not, but I'm going to try and do it this way. It's week. incredibly unorthodox, Somehow. and I kind of love it because of that. Yep. <laughs> going into round four, utility loophole with a defender. <laughs> like, when you were like, Lauren Butler is my R1, we were all just like, firstly, how, and secondly, what? What? <laughs> why? <laughs> and, and third, Why? <laughs> 
Oh, so we'll see. I might go back a little bit more conventional and get ham. Look, it seems to have paid off. I, I, it's gone up in the ranks, so we'll see. Forwards, great question here from Will. How long are we going to be able to keep fielding our rookie forwards? There's a lot of them because there were so many great ones at the start of the season, which was an absolute blessing. Now we've all got a lot and they're still on our field and some of them are doing average. What are we going to do about this, guys? I think that Ella Roberts is pretty safe. I don't think you can worry about her. She's consistently pumping out mid to high 50s, uh, even pushing 60s in games. So she's got a good role. She's, she's playing backup ruck, which is which is really weird. But she's taking stoppage in the 50, which is, which is really good, adding a couple extra points. And... Hannah Ewings, which is actually someone that I'm looking at bringing in this mm. week, not only keeping, but bringing in, because she was very impressive, especially the last two weeks, moving more into that midfield, which we thought Dowrick was actually moving out, which is another reason why it probably wasn't actually looking at it, a bad move to move out Dowrick, but then she, she pretty much played full-time mid last week. Um, but yeah, Ewings and Roberts, I think, are two pretty safe ones, so... Yeah, Ewings, I am in the same boat, actually, Bailey. I was looking at sort of, all right, who can I sort of move someone like like a Roberts up to in a few weeks? And I was like, Hanny Ewings is actually the sixth highest averaging forward, which for a first-year player is is incredible. They have had a fairly soft draw to start the season, I will say that. But to be averaging 70 as a first-year player is, is absolutely phenomenal. The reason I pose this question is because while some of them are still doing average, there's not a huge amount of urgency to upgrade them even players like a, a Zagetti, a Goldsworthy a Paige Scott they're all still scoring in the ballpark for a pretty decent forward line unless you're really doing well elsewhere I don't think there's a huge amount of urgency to move them onwards I will one that you put in that pile that I think might be worth pulling out separately would be Goldsworthy She's had a couple of easy games as you guys reminded me when I suggested bringing her in but she's also got a negative nine break even. So if you've got her, probably worth, even though her matchup might not be so great for the next couple of rounds and she probably won't be keeping that 60-ish score, she's going to be cash gen on the bench. I don't know if we agree, but is Paige Scott the one that we would move? Because obviously her role is she's playing a lot deep forward and she taking away her first quarter, which she had 26 points. She only ended up getting, I think, a 48. So she only scored... 22 points the other three quarters would she be the one if people are looking to move on that you would move on yeah i'd agree with that for that reason as well as the fact that her break even is the closest in proximity to what she's priced at and like one of the higher ones as well as the fact that she's the second highest owned mm. so you're not going to get rid of roberts even though she's the highest owned because she's got the potential to make a lot more money I think the thing about Scotty is she's about to come up against Collingwood, who are a pretty stingy defence. Essendon's had arguably the easiest run of any of the, the teams to start the season. You'd back her to, to still get a 34. So if you wanted to hold her another week, I don't think it's diabolical. Um, but yeah, she'd be the one that I'd be looking to move on first of that lot. What, what are our thoughts on Ellie McKenzie? Because she's probably the one here we haven't spoken about. She's averaging 59 Obviously, did very well on the weekend to get to a 55 because I think she was on 20 points at three-quarter time. She had a massive last quarter, mm. and I'm probably going to keep her just because I think she can score not that far off those top five and or get close, and she's just also on a sonnet. She's a fantastic player. I think she's got the best field kick, um, personally. I think she's got the smoothest action, and probably she's one of probably the longest kicks in the AFLW. So. I still have Mackenzie, and I'm going to use Liam's uh, favourite term, which is classy left footer. Uh, but yeah, I, I think she's still got a, a relatively low break even. I think she's probably going to 
finished the season with an average of high 50s, low 60s. If she ends up as your F5 or even F4, you're kind of like, eh, that's all right. I'll probably take that. Mm. I'd say if you're going to downgrade in your forwards because you want cash somewhere else, go Scott out because she's mm. made like 20 grand. Yeah. If you're looking to upgrade your forwards and stay within that line and you've got McKenzie, probably it's McKenzie that goes just because, like you said, uh, Bailey, she is closer to some of those higher scorers. Yeah. She's also made a lot of money. But, yeah, it depends which yeah. line you want to put your extra cash 25K on. gets you up to a Malloy or an Ashmore. So Is Ashmore our pick out of her and Malloy? Because Ashmore's been very impressive, especially playing off that sort of that wing half back. It's tough. Chloe Malloy is a player that we've talked about a lot because her ability to look absolutely incredible as a fantasy player and then go to scoring absolutely nothing the week after is incredibly frustrating to watch. Personally, I would go Ashmore just because I think she's more consistent. Despite the fact that she's had a really good couple of weeks, Ashmore, I think Malloy's probably more likely to average higher, but also more likely to do poorly. I think the other advantage of Ashmore is Ashmore, 1.1% ownership, Chloe Malloy, 124 the one player that is rookie price that we can keep an eye on, it's the probably the biggest mystery in AFLW as to what's going on. Amy Whelan, like she's 36K, mm. she scored all right when she's been in, but what's going on? Disappeared. <laughs> she wasn't on the injury list and people were like, I, set, I put out a tweet saying she's not on the injury list, she should be back this week. And then people were like, she's not back this week. What are you, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I'm just the messenger. I'm just saying she's not on the, <laughs> she's just not on the injury list. So I don't know why she's not back. So it is a bit of a mystery why she's not back. Maybe they want to give her an extra week off. But yeah, if she comes back this week, I guess she's not a bad player to look at as well. Minus one break even. But as you say, who knows when she'll reappear. So <laughs> the other problem we have is because of the way the, the teams are at the moment, we probably won't know when Amy Willen's back until it's too late. Yeah, I was just looking at that, wondering if Sydney are playing on the Thursday night, but they're not. They're playing on Friday, so we probably won't know. Last couple of things we've got. We've got a bit of a captain's whip around. Uh, Liam, a.k.a. Will, this week, do you want to... Liam is the second half, of, second half of my name, so I feel like I'm qualified to, to step into this. Liam's number one pick last week was Marinoff. We had a bit of a chat about this before. An 89, very good captaincy score, not quite the ceiling that we were expecting. So an 89 is still a good captaincy score. The problem is the other crow who Liam put at number five scored 118 in Anne Hatchard. Great for us. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the number two pick was Elise Parker, 95. Again, another good captaincy score. She was my captain. And I was pretty happy with that. Uh, Emily Bates was the third pick, only a 71 after a big 115 last week, which was a bit disappointing. Uh, Ash Riddell has been... Uh, a bit disappointing for me. I went her over Hatchard as a last-minute call, and I am ruining that decision. An 80, once again, fine. Bowers, 94, starting to return to a bit of form, but probably not, again, the, the high scores we know Bowers can get to. Swanson, 113, would have been fantastic. And then you've got Lamb, Conti, and Prasparkas. Of those ones, both Conti and Prasparkas didn't do fantastically, but uh, Kirsty Lamb, 104, was uh, another fantastic picked by Liam there. Well, Liam, who would you pick this week? <laughs> the player that we always say, highest everything player at the moment, Anne Hatchard. I don't think you can really go wrong with Anne Hatchard. I wouldn't be surprised if Ebony Marinoff came back. They're technically playing a home game, but it's at an away home game. It was where she scored the mass a massive score a few weeks ago at uh, Unley Oval. GWS give up points, so I think your Crows midfielders are once again a pretty good option. Yep. Which which are your two crows? Are you going to go Bailey? 
Because you have both of them. Yes, I do. Um, I still go Hatchard, I think. I think it's just that consistency. You know what you're getting. I agree. I think it's got to be Hatchard. Uh, and if you don't have Hatchard, you've probably got Parker and Marinoff. The next obvious one is yeah, Parker. Yeah, Parker's, Parker's probably just a, a bit of a flag for me just because she is playing uh, Adelaide this week. But we have seen that Adelaide are more than happy to give up points because they're just going to score mm. more anyway. So I don't yeah. mind Parker as a pick, but against Adelaide, it's always a bit of a... See how you what you think. I would not be going anywhere near Parker, um, captain this week. I am very confident that I think Chelsea Randall will be going to her this week. So that's why that's the oh. only reason I wouldn't go Parker. If you look at Giants midfield, they they got some dangerous forwards. So how do you stop stop against their forwards? You get tagged their best midfielder mm. of the game. And I think at least Parker is clearly their best midfielder. So I wouldn't be surprised if Randall goes with. Her. I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly throw this back at you, Bailey, and say against Adelaide. In her last couple of games, last season, scored a 94. Season before that, scored 105. And this week was tagged by Ash McCarthy, scored a 95. And against Sydney, was tagged and scored an 82, but basically didn't score in the second half. Yes, so I think yep. that Parker's a good enough player to get around a tag, but I think Chelsea Randall is a very tough matchup for anyone to go against. So if that does happen, that is a big worry. Um, cool. So I might just move around to a couple of questions. Sounds like there's three... Listener questions, and there's three of us, so we'll go with that. Will, what do we think of Georgia Prasparkas? Is she in the mix to be a top five for the rest of the season? Question from Alex. I love Georgia Prasparkas. I don't think she's going to be in the mix for a top five. I think she's going to consistently score somewhere between 70 and 90 and possibly have these bigger games every so often. Tackling machine, so I think she's the sort of player that in the next couple of years will definitely be in that top five mix. This year... I think if you jumped on her early when she was a bit cheaper, you're laughing. I'm not sure I'd go for her now, especially coming off the 131 where she's going to have a price increase. We've got another question here uh, from Isaac. Does Jade Halfpenny hold her spot next week? Midfielder, minus four break even, 37k. 58 last week. I think that poor after last week, I can't see them making any changes after that big win they had. The only players that aren't in the team, obviously Gemma Houghton and Liz McGrath, and obviously their long-term to medium-term injuries, so they're not coming back for at least another month, or maybe Liz McGrath a bit earlier. But I think she does hold her spot. But in terms of uh, the mids, I do think that I would be going for um, Keely Coyne from the Bulldogs. Um, she scored 57 on the weekend. I think she's cheaper, a little bit cheaper as well. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two things here. The first one is I agree with you. I don't think Port Adelaide would change a winning formula. Big win over Sydney, so I think she'd be really stiff to miss. But I'm gonna actually throw the same question to you about Keely Coyne, in that she was a late in this week. Does she hold her spot? Mm. So that's a good question. Um, I can't think if there was anyone that was out from the Bulldogs team that wasn't Georgia Stathis the one that was a late yeah, out. Was Georgia she Stathis the... was out. You'd assume she'd come straight back in. Yeah, so she'd come straight back in. So, yeah, does she come in for coin? That's obviously the question. So there were obviously a couple of players that were quiet, but obviously the conditions were terrible. So there were always going to be players. So Because you'd probably say Halfpenny's probably got the better job security this week. But if coin's in, does coin have the better scoring potential? So it's... Yeah. The good thing this week is they play on the Friday. If you go coin and Coin doesn't get selected, you'll have time to trade to Halfpenny if that's what you were planning on doing. Hang on, though. When's lockout compared to team announcements? Oh. Won't team announcements be Thursday at night? Yes, but Oof. isn't the lockout Friday? 
No, it's Thursday. I assumed it was no, Thursday because right. there's games on you're Thursday. You're right, sorry. So, unfortunately, I don't think that holds. True, because the game's super early. It's 3.10, so we won't get the teams before it, in which case, goodness, that makes it really difficult. Mm. So, I disregard what Will just said. This is not the week to make a punt. You're going to have zero team certainty. Yep. Go with people you know are going to be fine. Yep, you're only, you're only going to know those two Thursday night, the two Thursday um, games. Basically, pick any debutante that plays for West Coast, Fremantle, Geelong, or St Kilda, because you know they're going to play <laughs> the night before. Exactly. Oh, gosh. Um, and we got one last question here from Luke. It's a very interesting one. What are you doing at this stage, money or points? My thoughts on this is there's some great players that are going to get you a lot of money because they've got hugely negative break-evens. I think we've spoken about all of them. Gowrick, negative 11. Wales, negative 7. Goldsworthy, negative 9. So I think that the strategy won't be to just hunt out the moves that bring you in the players with a negative break-even. But if you're tossing up between two different players, taking the break-even into account is probably a good consideration. It's still early enough in the season. I think it's still money. But you win this game with points, so you can't just ignore the points, obviously. I think it was like round nine last season where I just put break-even totally to one side and just went, how much points can I get with the money I've made up until now? Absolutely. Because it's not about making money By that anymore. stage, you're basically, you don't care if the player's playing or not. You're taking the lowest price player to get all the money that you can. Um, just with the players, obviously, that you put down there, Mel, um, obviously, so, a lot of people have got Abby Dowrick, right? But there are some people that either haven't had her at all or probably if you trade her out, you're not going to go back. But for the people that don't have it, what are, what are our thoughts on bringing her in as an option with a negative 11 break even? Is it is it too late realistically now with that? She had the one big score and she's got a low break even. Are we just, if you don't have her, do you just look for someone else? I think you'd only bring her in if based on your anticipated team structure, you'd bring her in now and keep her for the rest of the season. Because you'd be bringing her in for long-term cash gen with that negative. I agree. Break-even. I would not be doing that. I, I, I just don't see the value. For a quick yeah, I don't see. The, I don't see the value in that. She's already expensive. There's better options with similar low break-evens for much cheaper prices. Give me your three outs, three ins, absolute highest level. Uh, they don't have to be what you do. It doesn't matter if the math doesn't add up. <laughs> I'm thinking Shepard has to go, Scott has to go, and I'd probably be keen to get rid of a, another rookie. Not sure if Bench or Field. Ham's definitely coming in. That's going to take up quite a bit of money. So then I'm probably going to downgrade the other two options. So really just a rookie shuffle. What about you guys? Maloney, as good as she's been as my pod pick um, at the start of the year, which was great. She was under 1%. She'll go for me to bring in Montana Ham just to get that little cash grab. Yeah, I think I'll be going uh, her to Ham. And then my other one I'm looking at doing is probably um, Riley Wilcox out. She hasn't been bad, but I just think I'll bring in a player on bench. And at the moment, I've got Keely Coyne there. Um, it could be, obviously, half pennies we were talking about before. But yeah, but then this third trade, obviously, this is sort of a question I would have for you guys. Would you be going a, a Zagetti up to Hannah Ewings to then have her at F4 with Roberts F5? Or would you be doing another downgrade, say, a someone to a Dersmond bench and then have 30k next week to maybe put Tamara Smith up to a big midfielder? So I'm going to answer that question by telling you my trades because that's exactly what I've done. <laughs> so basically what I've done is I've gone Hannah Stewart out to Lily Rose Williamson, who I scored 45, so a bit of cash generation for the Essendon midfielder. 
I've gone to Hannah Priest currently from Taylor Gatt with the money that I had. So I got a bit of money from that trade and had 35k in the bank from last week. And then what I've done is I've gone Wilcox to Anya McDonough just because it gets me 33k to play with next week, which, as you say, Bailey, could get me Tamara Smith up to someone like a premium midfielder. Well, that was, this has been a great chat. Thank you so much, Bailey, for coming on at last minute. Um, been a pleasure having you. Where can we find you on socials if anyone wants to follow you? On Twitter, it's just Bailey Ergang. That's I-R-R-G-A-N-G for people that don't know how to spell my last name because no one knows how to spell it and no one knows how to pronounce it. So <laughs> uh, YouTube channel uh, is Truly Bales HD. So go subscribe there for content when I'm back in Australia. It's just, it is a bit harder to do stuff outside of the Twitter mm. spaces, but the Twitter spaces is where you can find us, uh, will find me and hopefully you guys and anyone else wants to jump for a chat um this week it'll be on the it'll be wednesday night um with hopefully Jono if he's back on yeah jump on for that and and yeah so that's where you can find me <laughs> fantastic will where can they find you yeah so i'm on uh twitter at lanina effect fkw and i am on twitter and insta as hi mel d as always you can find the pod as free kick w pod on facebook insta and twitter and also, just quick one as well, if you haven't voted on your fantasy MVP for the week as well, head over to my Instagram story. Go vote for that. Do it every week. So, yeah, um, I think we know who's going to get this round, but go and vote anyway. Do it anyway. And as Liam would say, be aware of lockout. It's happening really early. Super early. Make sure you get your trades in. Oh, well. Brilliant. Thank you so much again, Bailey, for jumping on at such short notice and at such a wild hour of the morning as well. You're in our emergency sub. <laughs> Medi, Medi sub, yeah. He's our utility at the moment, so yeah. can sub yeah. in for any one of us. 